Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post on- What up? Fran, uh, how you doing, brother? Hanging in there, man. I got a, I got a cold that I can't seem to shake for like the last week and a half now. I don't know what's going on. Kids, but I'm trying my best. I'm just apologies in advance if I'm coughing a little bit. Just a heads up. Kids whispering in your mouth, you know, bringing yeah. you random stuff from outside, totally, putting yeah. their fingers in your mouth, all yeah. that stuff. Things that I get to avoid because I only pop in, pop out, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Last week we released uh, the live from CrimeCon episode, so we were not able to speak on some things that happened last week, and they were too monumental in my opinion. Um, I have some thoughts about the world's opinion, which is disappointing to me. Um, but they were too important that I, fe- I feel like just because a week went by, there's no reason that we're just going to move past it because it's not just a news cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a racially motivated massacre in Buffalo, New York, uh, about two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, a young man named Peyton Gendron, very Game of Thronesy name, 18 years old, mm-hmm. uh, went to a Topps grocery store up there in Buffalo, drove from like Pennsylvania about 200 miles and shot 13 people, killed 10 11 of the 13 were African-Americans. Two white people were shot. Not that that makes them any less important that they were shot, but it was clearly 
he was targeting a certain demographic with his actions. Um, I've heard all kind of crazy stories. Um, and I haven't done a deep dive, so I'd be interested to hear what you heard. I heard stories about him scoping the place out the day before, dressed mm. as a homeless guy. Really? Um, I've heard that. I heard another story of a guy that said, I, I spoke to him for like an hour the day before. And, you know, and then he came in the next day and shot everybody up. You wow. know, so they said he was almost. I heard stories about him casing the place. I wasn't able to find these, you know, testimonies of these events. Yeah. Only just tons of videos of people that were there that day and stuff like that. So what were your initial thoughts and your thoughts in the weeks that have passed for you to really process what was going on? What, what, what are your thoughts on those situations? Um, again, you know, hearing stuff like this that comes up and then, you know, kind of, well, for me personally, I go into a like little spiral where it's like things where um, I get upset about stuff I can't really control. You have really no control over. Yeah. And, you know, I, I you know, you try to explain to somebody else that's not African American, like for example, Steph, and it's like it's hard for them to. They can, you know, sympathize with you for a little bit, but they sure. can't really f- understand how you how you feel, right? So it's like I get that you hear those things and you see, you know, the whole event, and I wanna what I wanna do was to come on here and people for people that's like you know i can't watch the video i think everybody should watch the video i watched the video which video i think the, his live stream yes i think everybody should watch the video only because i know it's hard but only because so people can really really understand the stuff that we've talked about before in this podcast where it's like you're out and then you know we have a target on our back just because we just the color of our skin and this is an interesting one i'll say that i'm gonna cut you off for a second just i'm gonna let you finish is that you know we live in america where Mass shootings affect everybody. Yeah. But it's the same thing of, it's the same argument of somebody that says, yeah, man, I got problems too. I go to the bank and yeah, all yeah. this type of stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah, like mass shootings is an American problem. But then when you see a story of like, no, th- uh, what happened in El Paso, Texas, like a bunch a bunch of Mexican people were yeah. targeted mm-hmm. by one of these people. And then you hear a story like this where it's like, yeah, okay, so yeah, mass shootings affect everybody. But then there is another pocket within that that are targeting people based on their you know, ethnicity, yeah. their, their religious choices, their, their race. And so that's hard to explain to somebody who might come back at you and go like, yeah, but like people, nobody's safe out in public these days. It's like, yeah, but here's an example of a guy who went into a black neighborhood targeting black people yeah. for because he thought, you know, white people were becoming the minority in the country, whatever the dumb things that he thought. Yeah. Was. That's all I just wanted to, just wanted to make that point. And yeah. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, I, like I said, like, that was a good point you brought up, but I still think people should watch the video. Like, not, I not and I mean, I mean, the part of the fucking, I feel like everybody needs to see him apologize to a white guy that he pointed his gun at. Yeah, and man, and it's on. not the first time this ha- that that specific thing has happened. Yeah. We've seen that before, and it's like that guy lives was saved because he was a white guy. Yeah, and that's and that's crazy, and I couldn't even like me, and I saw that I couldn't even, I don't even know, I couldn't wrap my head around it to like. Imagine how that fucked that guy up. I mean, he survived, but like now he has to now process all that trauma that he experienced that day and all these people grieving. And he goes, he, he, he said sorry to me and left me alone alone. because I was white and then went and killed like a 63 year old black woman. People like elderly people that, that That had no chance, man. They had no chance. And the part that fucked me up and, 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 and we talk about this all the time on, on the other hand about, and I hate to keep bringing her up, but she's just, she's just the focal point example of like, people saw themselves in her and that's I think that played a part in why the story blew up so much but Gabby Petito I feel like a lot of people in who absorbed true crime as a you know a hobby or or a, a source of entertainment saw themselves in Gabby Petito mm-hmm. and and so and it's like I understood that even though it's not my experience on a day-to-day basis being in true crime I don't see on the mainstream 
uh, people that look like me getting talked about that often with a sense of concern. Mm -hmm. But then when I see this happen and I see those 10 faces plastered up on the screen, they look like aunts and uncles that you would see at a fucking uh, family reunion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your aunt from Philly. You know, yeah. like you don't know them, but you just you don't know them, but you know them. Mm. Every one of those faces, every single person except for one person was over the age of 50 years old. There was one by, one person who was like 32. Everybody yeah. else was like 50 plus. Yeah. These are elder, like not elderly. These are older people, you know, living their life. You know, there was a couple who had recently got engaged, mm -hmm. came came back from a vacation and just stopped by the store real quick to get some food, get some lunch meat to make sandwiches when they got home. Mm -hmm. And they just, we talk about that all the time, like you make that left when you could have went right or you just make a decision to go to a place. And we live in a society now where it's like going into public could be the, your last day on earth when you just go to do some innocuous thing, go to get tacos, go mm -hmm. to the grocery store. And, and it could mean life or death because somebody has made a decision about what they want to do to make their mark on the world in some fucked up way. Yeah. And um, also, in the beginning of that video, when he first got the car, um, I haven't it seen happens. That. Yeah, it happens so fast. And you can't even, you can't, you, it happened so fast that that person didn't even have a chance to process what the hell was going on. Yeah. And it's like, you see that, you go, damn. Because one thing for me is, my fear is, and I told Steph about this, and this is why she always say, you know, you can't get upset at stuff you can't control. My biggest fear is death. But my, also my biggest fear is dying so on somebody else's terms. Meaning, somebody having that choice to... They decide to take your life. Yeah. That's one of my biggest my biggest fear, you know, besides death, but that's one of my biggest fears. And it's like, I'm not going to sit up here and say, you know... Black power, you need to rise up and stuff like that. Because I'm like, that's not that's not the person I am. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But I do think that African American people need to be more aware, more alert. Also, you know, I don't, you know, we talking, we you know, we talking guns come up. You go, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of guns, right? Mm -hmm. But I got my guns license, and I did that after I think something else happened. I can't remember which one oh, it was. It happens and I got my, and I got, I went and got mine. Mm -hmm. I signed up for it to take. Shooting classics, because I never, I've shot, I've shot a gun before, but not like a, not a handgun. Yeah, and I'm not. I have some people will be like, family, you know, I don't, family. I don't have. Yeah, you know, I have a family. I, I want to go home at the end of the day. Yeah, so I'm gonna do whatever I had to do to protect myself and my family. So I don't. It's, it's weird to think about like, hey, you know, to walk around with a gun or whatever. But it's like, I don't want to be caught in that situation. There was a guy that was a retired cop. Yeah, a but guy that, who was a security guard shot at him. Yeah, he just happened but he to had a bulletproof like armor. Yeah, and there's nothing you could do. But it's like, I'm not even as it's, it's it's weird to talk about it and be like, if he was in that scenario. But it's like, I'm not going out without a fight. I just it's just not high. I, I, I'm going down. I got you. And it's like again, I have a family protecting everything, so it's like, I'm going to I'm going to get my training in because I'm gonna just have my with me. It's probably weird to say on on the mic, but it's like I'm not that situation. Yeah. And seeing it all the time is like at some point you go you go like it's, the, right, world. it's the world is, we live in now. Yeah, but I mean like but it's, I mean that's not as crazy to that's not as crazy as you might think it is to say as it might have been to say five six years ago. Yeah, but it, what I mean it is like everybody's kind of like I think that's just the world we live in now. Yeah, but I, what I mean is like um, to hear it happen once twice or whatever when it's like you could have been that person in that store because mm -hmm. it was specifically African American people. Yeah. And to hear it and, and for people to go, and it's like, I'm on Twitter the day it was happening, or the day after, and it's like, you don't hear, I guess it's just like who you follow or whatever, but it's like, you don't hear people talking about it a lot. And it's like, I feel like people should be, it should be talked about more. Oh, yeah, man. But I feel like a lot of people's going like, like you said, this is America, but it's like, people are going like, 
another day, and it's yeah, like, and it's, and it's, not, and it's not though. Layer it's to it's it. not. There's it's, another it's, layer to it, and and that was that makes me upset more than anything when people just go like another one, and then it's like, and we move on to the, and it's like, yeah. this was this affects us as all as a group of people, yeah. and it's like then those things happen, and then other videos come up. Like the same day, I saw a video of like a I don't know if you saw this, an Uber driver. Picked up these white people and it was like, and he was like, "No, yeah, racist assholes, get out of my car." Yeah, yeah. And all that shit started to come up, Mm -hmm. and it's like, but that stuff is like, we can't just talk about it the day of and just forget it. And it's like, no, because it's 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 going to happen. We know it's going to happen again. That's not a question. It's going to happen again. Whether or not it's racially motivated is the question because that's the layer that I feel like we need to talk about. And it really makes me, it pisses me off. Like when you go back to think about a few weeks ago uh, after Will Smith smacked Chris Rock and you see people like Judd Apatow and fucking Amy Schumer being like, I just, I'm just so traumatized, but I can't believe the violence I saw. I just can't. Silence. There's no tweets. There's no outpouring of let's try to understand how do we make this not happen again? Because the thing that what happens is they call these people crazy. They call them lone wolves and we just move on. But the reality is this was one I'm sure there's other instances that we could go to, but we've 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 gotten so desensitized that we move on. But this is a case where you go, he was live streaming. Live stream. So who was he live streaming to? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he felt like there were people yeah. who probably put the ideas in his head. He's 18 years old, not even probably about it. Somebody radicalized this kid by telling him that white people are becoming the minority, they're being replaced, your your piece of the pie is being taken away from you by black people, Mexican people, Jewish people, whatever the fuck, and you need to rise up, you need to do something about it. And he felt that those people who accepted him, because he's probably a guy who you know, has some some dissociative problems, probably doesn't have a good social life, probably is a little, <laughs> is a bit of a loner and found a community online. Yeah. Honestly, like like the there's a black guy named Frank James who shot up the subway just yeah. a, a month a month before mm-hmm. with the same kind of ideologies, but towards white people. Yeah. You know, he was sick of white people and being ra- racism and whatever and people whatever the fuck. And he did a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. He was also radicalized online. But this kid, he went on, he he went and shot these people up, and he felt like there was a community of people that would want to see this happen. Yeah, yeah. And so that's not a lone wolf. This guy has a sense of community that gassed him up, put the battery in his yeah. back, and told him, like, this is what you need to do to protect your future and the future of people that look like you. So he's not a lone wolf. Yeah. He's not crazy. Absolutely he not. was Was he crazy when he told that guy, sorry, man, I'm, I apologize, please, continue sound to be perfectly white. sane. Yeah, sound like a perfectly sane person to me. He got in a car, he drove 200 miles, Yeah, did the speed limit, didn't get pulled over, and fucking a bulletproof vest and whatever the crazy shit he had on. Yeah, so, and then people make jokes after, these jokes coming out, memes coming out. I haven't seen I any, but I saw a tweet that, that... I don't know how you can that, make a joke about that. That one came out, and it was like, clean up on all this. And, right, that's, and it's like, that's super sick. But what my point was, like... It's the desensitization. The, the desensitization. My, that's my point. And it's like, yeah. watch, watch the video. Yeah. Watch the video. See Just go and watch the video. Funny. See if it's something funny in there. In, in watch. The right. But it's like. See, we, is, it, is it. Are you laughing? Yeah. We can't just forget about this. And move, like, watch the video. Because then if you watch the video, you will go. I could have been in that same store. Yeah. And, and, you, and you also go like, it happens that it happens that fast. It's so quick. Yeah. It was a guy that said. It's he, so he, quick. He had to take his kid and hide behind the milk in the fridge. And just like was just praying that yeah. he didn't get found. And luckily he didn't. But you think about how many times it's crazy. It's fucked up. How many times since in the last few years, you know, when I go into a a restaurant, I sit with my back to the to the restaurant, like facing the door. Yeah. Just little shit that I do just to be like, try my I try I try to make sure I see where the kitchen 
is like where they're bringing the food from because yeah. I know there's a back door out there. Yeah, man. Because you end up in a grocery store and you're just walking around not thinking because like you are a per like who because why would you need to right? Yeah. And you end up in a grocery store where the guy comes in through the only entrance that you know of. Yeah. And it's like, what do I do? He's standing at the front of the store with a gun, and I don't know where to go. And yeah. so you just have to hide behind some bread with and this, pray that this person this doesn't find you. Military, what, what do you call it? Um, like mili military style weapon. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. They said that was his gun. The gun that he bought was, I believe, it was an AR-15, and it wasn't automatic. But all he had to do was take a little screwdriver and unscrew a screw, and it, he, he made it automatic. It was that's that. Crazy. It was that simple. You know, which you probably could just look that up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's like I'm sure. Did you read any of the manifesto at all? Fuck no. I, I mean, I've heard somewhere. I've heard that stuff before. You know what I'm saying? Like you could turn on yeah. you could turn on any like conservative news station and hear the little bits of that, and then you could go online and go a little deeper and hear people racistly yelling it. But I've heard all that shit before. And the thing that I would ask people to really think about is. Cause I hear, you know, you hear the bootstrap mentality, all that stuff. Hey, man, pull yourself up by your boots, man. You know, you know, stop, stop treating yourself like a victim, and all this type of stuff. If it's if it's such a not big deal to be a minority in this country, if we should just shut up and just work harder and all this type of stuff, why is there this contingency of people online who are terrified of becoming a minority? Yeah, like think about that. That dude was shaking in his boots. And so he felt like he needed to make there be less black people alive on earth because he didn't want to become a minority. Yeah. But people should shut up about, you know, a fair playing field and equal rights and all these things because it's not it's not a real issue. But there are people who are so concerned about the, the coin flipping and them becoming a minority that they're willing to murder people. Yeah. You know. So I would just like I would just tell people to really think about that. If you are a person who subscribes to that, because I, I subscribe that I don't treat myself like a victim. I, I do think hard work and you can overcome a lot of stuff if you work hard. But I'm also not blind. And I see that there are barrier, barriers in front of people that aren't in front of other people. And that's like the that's the only argument. And then there are people saying like, no, no, there's no bar there's no barriers anywhere. Just just work hard. And it's like, OK, well, then why did 10 people get murdered at a grocery store just trying to live their black life? If there's no barriers and there's no, what's the big deal about being a minority? Stop calling yourself a minority. Just, you're just a person. Skin color doesn't matter. Okay, then why is this kid so afraid? It's not the reality. Though. Yeah, you know, it's not the reality. It's something that people can say when they've made it out or never have never had to make it out of anything. They just, just are. Just are successful, are, you know, have a leg up. Our life, life is just moving how it's supposed to move. And so it's like, yeah, no, I got here by my own merit. And a lot of people get the privilege to believe that they get the privilege to believe that it's just like, yeah, no, if I am, I'm in the situation that I'm in solely because of me, there's, that's the only reason I've found success. And for a lot of people, I'm sure that's true to a, to a point, but for yeah. a lot of people, what you're saying to them is you don't work hard. And it's like, I know people that work two, three jobs and can barely afford to pay their rent. Yeah. So to call that person lazy is just mad disrespectful. Um, just to, Cap off this. I don't know if you have anything else to say, but Not just. Really. I mean, I could. There was a guy, Antonio Brown. <laughs> we were on the radio and said that slavery wasn't real or something, something like that. It was like, he was like what? <laughs> he is an. He is. He actively has CTE. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. he's rich. He so he and, and, and he does. But he's from Florida, like the mud of Florida. But he, he's had money for a few years. Yeah. And so it's that quick. It's that easy to forget. Yeah. It's that easy to forget. Like you were running around on on black tar at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old to develop the skills that you had. You probably 
ate McDonald's a lot, probably didn't see your mom a lot because she probably had to work or worse. I don't know his family circumstances, yeah. but I don't, something about Antonio Brown's mannerisms tell me he didn't grow up and went to prep schools and, and whatever the fuck. Antonio Brown looks like he came, he got it out of the mud a little bit. Yeah. And he might have forgot about that because he's, he's, lived, he lived, he's lived a good life for the past decade plus or so. But the idea that 10 plus years or however long he's had money can make you just go like, yeah, what? Racism? That's, man, no. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not black. Well. I'm, I'm not yeah. black. I'm OJ. It's you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's it really boils down to that for a lot of people. Like a lot of people forget the struggle when they make it out, and then they turn around and tell people, "Hey, man, no, like you just got to work hard or be really good at rapping or something that something that you know what I mean something that yeah. not everybody it's, you have a gift. Yeah, like don't just make it out like just have my gift. Hey, man, look, I know you're struggling and everything. Why don't you just become a wide receiver in the NFL? <laughs> I did. And he's crazy enough to say some shit like that to somebody. Yeah. Hey, man, can you spare some... Man, why don't you just go get in the NFL? 50-year-old man on the corner. You know? And so I don't really pay attention to what the fuck Antonio Brown's talking about. Um, my last thoughts that I had, you know, we I, I was feeling all this like, man, this is crazy, and these people look like my family. And so we took a trip, man. We hopped in the car. We went to D.C. to go fucking touchdown, go see the African-American History Museum and really feel soak in that culture and really feel that shit. And... um. We got denied at the fucking door. Yeah, man. We got denied at the fucking door because you need tickets in advance to go. And my uh, pass should be my skin color, man. I should be like, this is my pass. Yeah, like this is my. I can't go here. This is my story. Yeah. This is this is his crazy. This, this is his story. This is Fran's story. This is his story. This, his, this history is his story. And I have I can't just come in. And it's a group of fifteen white people that they they wow. got they got their tickets ahead of us. Oh, like, oh, oh so because they know how to use the computer and schedule things and do all the proper channels. Oh, just because I don't have a ticket. My ticket is this. My skin yeah. complexion. I don't get to go into the African-American History Museum. I got to come back tomorrow is what you're saying. Anyway, uh, no, but no. Those white people were perfectly nice and they did the right yeah. stuff. But I did feel a way where I was like, yeah, so man. I can't go in there. I can't go. And the lady was black that told me. So I was like, sister, I can't go into the African-American History No, you cannot. You can get a ticket and come back tomorrow. So, um, but we went to the Postal Museum and stuff. And yeah, man. it's fucked up, right? Like I had this thought. In the museum where I go, like, man, it'd be crazy if somebody came here and went postal in the postal museum. Just a joke, just, just, yeah, just yeah. a quick joke. And then, but then it really, you really, it really sits in where you go, like, that type of shit happens. Yeah, like it could, it could just, it could just, you could just be enjoying a nice day with your friend at the museum, and then your whole life changed. Yeah, and then now I'm looking around for the exits and all that type. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's the world that we live in now, where it's it's not a joke anymore. Like. Maybe 10 years ago when this was still kind of like, what? They shot up a school or whatever. Now it's just the world and you need to kind of be aware of your surroundings yeah. and all that type of shit. You, you know, big crowds, know going win. to big crowds, yeah. festivals, music concerts. You got to really be like. Makes me nervous, bro. I'm here to have fun, yeah. but I'm also got to. Why is he wearing a trench coat? That guy, is he security? He looks kind of. Why does he have sunglasses on in here? You have to start being on alert. At all times. At all times. Yeah. At the fucking post office museum. Yeah. At the national fucking, at the Smithsonian. I'm fucking looking around and scoping people out, making sure everything's put people, oh, yep. why you got a backpack on? What's going on? You cool? So, yeah, man. Um, I don't know. And I'm sure there are people who, you know, who, who are like, shut the fuck up. You guys don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't care, bro. I don't really care. I don't care. I, I bought these microphones. I say what I want to. But um, those are my thoughts. Um, typically what we do from here is we do shout outs, but, um, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to shout out the 10 victims that died 
at Top's Grocery Store because their names deserve to be said. And I think that, 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 that that's important to really for people to hear their names. So rest in peace to Roberta Drury, Marcus Morrison, Andre McNeil, Aaron Salter, Geraldine Talley. My aunt's name is Geraldine. Celestine Channing, Hayward Patterson, Catherine Massey, Pearl Young in a church hat. She was 65 years old. Looked like the sweet, looked like somebody that went to church with my grandmother. And uh, Ruth Whitfield. Again, all these people other than Andre McNeil, 50 plus. They all looked like a great aunt, an aunt, uncle, grandfather of mine. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to them. And listen, um, we're not here to offer solutions because I don't know how you fix this problem, but you got to talk about it. So that's all we wanted to do. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. All right, and we are back, Fran. My affirmative murder this week is the story of of Zazel Preston. Okay, okay. I got this from a lot of local, like a lot of it's the stories from California. So I got it from some local, some, some California newspapers and um, um, online reports of the story, and just kind of put it together. So Zazel Preston was a 26 year old mother of two who had just welcomed her third child into the world with her husband, 39 year old William Wallace. Okay. She was just weeks away from graduating college with the intent of becoming a domestic violence counselor. Mm. That career path, Fran, was personal for Zazel because although the, to the outside world she had a loving marriage with a man, 
who had accepted her two kids. She, so she had an eight and a three year old from a previous relationship. Okay. Um, and he, they, you know, they became a one, a blended family, yeah. and then they themselves had a kid. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. you know, they have you know Facebook posts of them kissing with nice words underneath mm-hmm. of it. Despite all of that stuff, they, there have been several incidences of extreme violence that William had inflicted upon Zazel throughout their relationship for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like behind closed doors, that what was what was happening, and it it sparked her wanting to go back to college to get her degree, and she was pretty close to finishing college to go pursue a career in domestic violence mm-hmm. counseling. Yeah. So it was all from like, that stemmed from like just personal experience. I would say so. Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, it seems like that was the motivation behind it. Like yeah. she wanted to make sure to help people who have had experiences like she had. Yeah. So a relative once came over for a visit only to find Zazel wandering her neighborhood in a daze after a blow to the head from William. Mm. Just found her, your cousin out, you know what I mean? Wandering the streets, stumbling. Yeah. Cause he, he knocked her over the head. And she was pregnant at the time that this happened. Wow. William had served time on a couple of occasions related to attacking Zazel. But the cop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I mean, like, you know, he would beat her and then not go to jail. He would beat her and then police would come, show up. You know, you go through six months. Oh, so it was multiple times. It was, oh, I wasn't, I I was thinking about outside of their relationship, he was like charged for something. No, no, it was like, I don't, I'm probably, but he's, he has gone to prison multiple times for beating her. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and over the life of this podcast, I've said some things and, you know, you grow and you try to learn and you try to become better. I think that's the whole point of this. And I've learned since that there's this cocktail of like fear and love. Mm -hmm. And sometimes kids come into play that leave the door cracked open for guys like William Wallace to be able to slither back into women's lives who they abuse. Yeah. It's not this matter. It's not as simple as like, whoa. Just leave. And I say that mockingly, but that has come out of my mouth. You yeah. know what I mean? Literally out of my mouth. And, you know, through the life of the podcast, you try to grow and you become better. And, and, I, and I think I've learned that it's more complicated than that. And, mm. you know, sometimes it's not easy to escape somebody who abuses you. It's not just like you're dumb or you love them so much. It's like you're afraid. You, yeah. Or you try to leave and they find you because you don't have the resources to just leave you can't leave the state leave your take your kids and just leave and yeah. all the stuff that goes into that so you can't just dis you can't just erase yeah, this person out easy. of your life yeah. Yeah. yeah so all that stuff came into play and that al- that allowed for william to stay around in her life mm. in 2011 after being released from prison once again on a domestic violence related charge against zazel william convinced zazel to let him move back in mm. but imagine i mean like for a woman where it's like you go through the situation is like you have a you have a newborn baby coming and you kind of want things to be this well, perfect family, family yeah. and it's like you try to like okay another another chance yeah maybe this is the chance that he keeps on doing maybe the he same got it right maybe yeah. maybe the prison sentence yeah. changed him or he learned his lesson yeah or whatever you know yeah all that stuff comes into play I'm sure yeah so he moves back in and then a few months go by on Christmas Eve of 2011. Okay. Neighbors say they overheard the couple arguing in the apartment complex after returning from a nearby Christmas party at a friend's house. The argument slowly escalated, and a neighbor reportedly said that they saw William physically picking a person up mm. that was presumed to be Zazel and carrying them inside the apartment. I assume this was brushed off as like um, the people whoever saw this just thought she was drunk, yeah. and you know they came. It's Christmas Eve. Too much. Too many drinks. Too many eggnogs. Yeah. Get him in the house. That's and then just. Erase it from your thinking. You know, yeah. nobody called the police or anything like that. What it, what had actually happened though was that an assault had taken place, which continued once William carried Zazel inside the apartment. 
Once she was conscious again, she tried to flee the apartment but was dragged back inside. Mm. William got so violent that he eventually slammed Zazel through a glass coffee table in front of their children. Oh my God. I was about to ask where the children, children around. Children were there. So again, oh. eight, three, and then a newborn. Mm. Zazel was helped carried to the bathroom by her eight-year-old daughter, who then also proceeded to help pull glasses, shards from the mm. table out of her mother. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, I mean, like a wrestling thing. He slammed her through a glass table, and then she had glass in her body. And her daughter then, after helping her go to the, ba- helping her walk her to the bathroom, she pulled, she helped pull the glass out of her mouth. Yeah. So this was far from the first time that William had put his hands on Zazel, but tragically it would be the last Zazel would succumb to her injuries in the middle of the night as mm. her children slept, unaware that their mother had passed. Wow. So, you know, um, she she hit her head, and they they just went to bed. He put her in bed and he, and, and went, like, went put the kids to bed. Yeah, that's and the worst thing. He's supposed to fall asleep. For yeah. sure. And then he discovered that she was, she was not alive anymore in the middle of the night. Mm. And then so he starts to stew about, like, well, what the fuck do I do next? It's now Christmas Day. And William realizes that he's gone too far, so he had to think quickly. You know, it's like there's kids in the other room. They're expecting to wake up and open presents with their family. Mother, oh, father. Christmas, yeah, it's right. Christmas Day now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's Damn. supposed to happen. Now what do I do? So, of course, you know, in a moment of sheer brilliance, William came up with the plan to go into the kids' room and explain to them that their dumb mom had gotten super drunk and was now blacked out. Um, but he's not going to let that stop Christmas. We're going to still have Christmas. Mom's just a little tired. She's going to be out there, but she's just a little tired. We're going to still have a great Christmas time, right? And so before the kid, so he tells them, like, you know, get ready, put whatever, come out in a little bit. Yeah. Before they're able to come out for their Christmas presents, this motherfucker takes Zazel, drags her out of the bedroom, props her up on the couch in, no. like, a somewhat presentable, oh, yeah, props her up in a somewhat presentable way on the couch, Throw some sunglasses on her. No, he didn't, bro. No, he pulled no weekend at he Bernie. He weekend at shit. Bernie this girl, bro. He weekend at Bernie wow. this girl. Wow. He put some sunglasses on her, and then we're like, "Let's open up some presents, right, kids?" And 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 she's like, "Fucking with her legs crossed on the couch, chilling." And he was like, so "And he was sick. like, brilliant. This is brilliant. This is brilliant." And he he's like, "We can now, we'll deal with this later. I've bought myself some time." And the kids, being kids, the oldest one is eight, you know, had a great time opening up presents and, you know, whatever, right? Now, I guess some part of him really wanted to, like, buy as much time as he could. But to play devil's advocate for a bit and just, this might be controversial, but, like, maybe there's some part I, of him. I know what you're about to say. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's some part of him that really wanted the kids to have one last memory of them as a family. You know, maybe there's just some, I'm sure part of it was, like, if I do this, then she's not dead, right? Nobody knows, right? The kids don't know. And so I, I can I buy myself more time to figure it out. But maybe he wanted some part of him is like, let the kids have Christmas. Let them open up some presents, have a good time, and, and we'll deal with this after that. I think it was more of... Um, it was definitely more of saving his ass. It was, no, no, yeah. Oh. I mean, like, I think it was more of the kids having that moment of being around their mom and dad yeah. and opening presents for the whole family in there. Yeah. You think that was more so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. give him that. I won't fight yeah, you yeah. on that. I think it was fifth. I think it was like maybe split. You know, part of it was like, let me try to push this uh, off a little bit longer. But I feel like it was some. I mean, you got to love the kids a little bit. Even, I mean, he beats his mom. I mean, he beats what, their mom but, in front of them. But what but, did he, did he put like a, 
a jacket on her or something. I mean, because you had I mean, glass, shards of glass in there and yeah, stuff like that. Blood. And like, she had been dead for a few hours yeah. now. So I'm sorry. I'm sure she was few dis- hours. I'm sure she was discolored and stuff, you know. But again, the the object of your ruse is an is an eight-year-old. That's the best. That's the person you have to fool. The other one's three. The other one's a baby. So an eight-year-old. Let me, let me tell you something. It's Christmas Day, right? Mm-hmm. Kids overwhelmed with presents. Yes. Them kids, they know something's not right. They just won't. They're not going to speak on it because of they're overly stimulated. Kids, and then it's, it's toys and so yes. But they, but they, they know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids know when someone's like, absolutely. Mm, I don't know what's going on, but I just and I don't know the words to use to, to explain. But something's off. But something's off. Yeah, mom's not excited that I'm. I love the gift that she got. Yeah, me. they talking. Do you tell me that they didn't say, mom, thank look. you, mom. Yeah, and yeah, and she's Come just on. propped up. Yeah. yeah. So you bring up a good point because the oldest, the oldest daughter at the time, like you said, overstimulated kids, yeah. presents, everything like that. She did say she went over and approached her mom to go give her a hug, and she was cold to the she touch. That's oh my man! But she didn't realize that until later. At the in the moment, you just go like, "Oh, that's weird." But I don't know what she's drunk. Like he said, she's drunk. She blacked out. Whatever any of these things mean, like as if also the idea that you go in there and go, "Listen." Mom had a few too many sauces. Like, as if the kids go, she's drunk, she blacked out. What is that? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But imagine being 15, 20 years old, and then you you play back that memory, and then it's like. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like, that's the. That shit will fuck you up, man. The super fucked up part, that's why I was like, maybe he thought he was doing them a favor, but now you've created this weird, dark nightmare scenario that they're going to have. For the Forever. rest of their life, they're going to wake up in the middle of the night. That image of their, their mom, mom being sitting like there. A, a zombie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to manifest itself yeah. in all kinds of crazy ways. So even if I give them the credit of, like, you wanted to make this one last memory, you did. You made a memory. Yeah. But it's a horrific memory yeah. for them for the rest of their life now. You know? It's like, it's, I mean, I remember. That like, is creepy. The worst, the worst dream I ever had, and this is not even on the topic of the same thing, but it's, it's the one time I ever had, like, one of those TV dreams. I remember being, I was, like, eight years old, and I had one of those dreams where you're like, <gasps> Oh, and you wake up and then I went to the bathroom to go splash water on my face. Like, yeah. man, that dream was crazy. And then I looked in the mirror and I was the, the werewolf from Michael Jackson's thriller. And then it was like, oh, and I woke up again. That's crazy. You know how that happens yeah, in TV? Yeah, you like yeah. double, you double wake up. Yeah. And, but that's like, you now, you now put that on those kids for the, they're going to have that kind of night. Yeah. A lot of their nights of sleep for the rest of their life. Their last moment is their mom being propped up on a couch with, you know, whatever color, I don't know. Some just black sunglasses. Black, it's black, like, that's the last yeah. image of her. Mm-hmm. And them and them being none the wiser. Yeah. And them, like, not, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. It's insane. That is. Mm. So William eventually realized, like, okay, I fooled an eight-year-old, kind of. The, the eight-year-old girl knew something was up, but, like, I kind of fooled her. But admittedly, this is kind of dumb. So I'm not going to try to, like, put her and marionette her around, send her to work like this. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just with Zazel for work today. Yeah. You know, that would be crazy to try to, like, extend the week in the Bernie scenario. So he realized this whole thing was dumb, and no adult would fall for this. No, uh, you call her mother over here. Nobody's going to fall for this, like, at all. So he decided to try to jump in front of it. He called 911 and informed them that his wife, who was very much dead and had been for hours, needed medical attention. That's what he left it at. So would he lay her back down in the bathroom? Or nope. Just left her there, it's propped up. Left her propped up on the couch. So emergency services arrive to the very con- confusing scene of a woman propped up chill on the sofa with sunglasses on indoors in the middle of the morning because it's still Christmas morning. They got there pretty quickly. It's like, let's say it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And this woman's sitting there 
who knows what kind of pose he put her. I'm a picturing her with her legs crossed, arms up on the back part of the couch, and they're like, what the fuck? What is this? You know what I mean? So they come in incredibly confused. They determine very quickly that she's not alive, and William, assuming everybody in the world is as stupid as he is, informed them that Zazel, that Zazel had injured herself a while ago, and then she suddenly died. So they're like, he, she fell, and then she just died. I didn't realize that she was dead. And then it's like, she's on the... She's on the couch with sunglasses on. That's how she died? Like, what are we saying here? So, like, like I said, he thought that they were stupid. They weren't at all. And they immediately called the police because every emergency service except police came. So they called the police. The police arrived, took one look, and were like, fucking put these on yourself. Yeah. Like, fucking, you, <laughs> get in the fucking car. You know what's going on. We're taking you down to the police station. Um, he was taken down to the police station. He was placed under arrest. And due to his extensive violent rap sheet against Sazel and probably other things, William Wallace was given a massive $1 million bail and was facing 25 years to life if he was found guilty of killing his wife. Hmm. William's lawyer continued with his proclamation that this was a self-inflicted accident on Zazel's part. Okay. Yeah, so um, his paper-thin story that the defense tried to try out. Paper-thin. Oh, man. It, insane. <laughs> like, like rice paper-thin. Like, 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 I mean, this is insane. But he's dead serious. He's yeah. like, this is what I want to tell the, the uh, prosecutor. So their, their defense was that Zazel had essentially slipped and fell through a glass table and eventually died from her injuries no. that she sustained. No, his, he didn't say that. That's, that was his defense. That was his defense to the, to the lawyers. His defense, it wasn't even a defense. What he said, what he told his family had happened was, Zazel got drunk, she bit me, and then she kept attacking me. And I wasn't even fighting her, man. I was just, I was just keeping my hands behind my back. I was like, you got to stop fighting me, man. It's not okay. This is like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Like, I'm, you're, you're hurting me, and that's wrong. And in the midst of her attacking him, she slipped because she was attacking him so hard, she slipped and fell through the glass table and hit her head. That's what he told his family. So I don't know if they believed him or if he wanted to try to save face. Because I guess you, even if you are a horrible abuser, you don't want your mom to think you're that. Yeah. So you got to tell her, like, Mom, yeah, no, I, she died. But it wasn't me. Like, she was, it was, she was attacking me, actually. And then she was attacking me so hard that she jumped up into the sky and fell backwards onto a glass table. And then, so that's how she died, slowly. And so that also was paper thin, but you're not going to get any pushback from your mom, you know? Right. So, and I think he knew that. But the yeah, prosecuting yeah. attorney was like, what do you mean she fell through the glass table yeah. and hit her head? Like, what do you mean? And so as soon as you got to start explaining the bullshit, no, that's not what happened, right? So, and also the scene, the story of what happened could be seen at the apartment. I mean. Yeah, what happened to the table? Did he clean up? No. So the glass, well, I mean, I guess if you shit said, everywhere. it was glass everywhere, but there's blood splatter everywhere. There's right, yeah. holes in the wall that were punched in the wall because they were, they, he was fight, he was beating her up. And there was a door that was ripped off the hinges. So it was, this was clearly an instant, an instance of domestic violence that had gone bad. But he's saying she just fell. He didn't even, he might even have fared better if he told the police what he told his family. Like, no, she did all this. Yeah. I still bullshit, but like she slipped and she fell. That's what you, that's what you're going with. But he knew that he couldn't tell that to the, or his lawyer knew. I don't think he knew. He probably wanted to go with this, but his lawyer was like, you have no, nothing on you. Yeah. Like you have no marks on you. What do you mean she beat you up until she Where fell? Where the bite marks? Yeah, where's the, where's the bite marks? Where's the, she punched his holes in the wall? And she beat you up so bad and you're fine? We can't, we can't even, we can't even use that. That's not going to work at all. So we're just going to go, we're just going to go with she fell, she fell through the table. Right. And the prosecutor, I mean, and the defense attorney actually had some maneuvers that kind of muddled things a little bit. So what they did was they put the eight-year-old girl on the stand. 
Mm. And what she said was she did see her mom fall through the table. But she's eight. Like, who knows when she walked out of the room, of their bedroom, to see where the fight had happened, what she saw of, like, at what point of the throw. Yeah. You know, where it might have looked like, oh, she's falling, you know? And also what she said was they dragged her into the bathroom to get the glass out of her, and when they put her in the tub, she hit her head. So that's what the daughter said. So then the lawyer goes, yes. So she went in there, she slipped and fell, hit her head on the and hit her head on that the tub. That could have been like a graze, anything. That could have been. That could have been anything. That could have. The damage was already done when she fell right. through the glass table. But they found their opening with their star witness, an eight-year-old traumatized child, and were like, "Let's take the little thing that she said and try to twist it into." How's yeah, that, how's that legal? I don't know. I was really confused at how you could put an eight-year-old on 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 stand to testify in their own mother's murder. Yeah, that feels very much like that shouldn't happen. But this was 2011, so I can't even say times were different. That wasn't that long ago. That feels really wrong. But also, we also saw when uh, fucking Crazy Hair McGee, yeah. <laughs> he, he had to, he, had to he, he cross-examined his own son. So I, I guess you can do that. What he already knew was over. He murdered, he, he murdered that kid's mother, his sister, and I think his other sister or something. I think it might have just been mother and a sister. But he murdered, he murdered his mother and his sister. And... He then had to testify in the trial to what he saw, and then his dad cross-examined him. Did he get a death penalty? I don't remember. Should have. Oh, he definitely should have. But I got to tell you like this. If his lawyer didn't get him an insanity plea, because I can't even remember. It was so much crazy shit happened that I can't remember what his final verdict was. But that display he put on in that fucking court, I would, if I was his lawyer, I'd have been like, <laughs> uh, Judge, need I say more? This dude's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Let's fucking yeah, put him in a loony yeah. bin and let's call it a day, right? That's what I mean. That's what I would have did. This is crazy. Look at him screaming. He fired his. He fired his. He fired his attorneys and d- d- decided to be his own lawyer. So William didn't go out like that though. William had a, he kept his lawyer. He didn't decide to you know do his own trial or whatever. But they his his defense attorney did try to manipulate the testimony of an eight year old girl who saw her mother die into basically saying, see, this eight-year-old girl just said that her, her mom slipped on her own accord and hit her head on the tub. That's what she said. And she's, I'm like, I, I doubt that's what she said. But you can make it that way if that's how you want to try to manipulate words. So um, the testimony of Zazel's family was the final piece that revealed the picture of who William Wallace truly was. Zazel's mother told police that William was nothing more than a psychopath who only cared about himself and that we begged her not to marry this guy. Mm. Her grandmother, her grandmother said some disparaging things about him. Everybody, like all her family was like, yeah. oh, this guy's terrible. Her cousin came, you know, I saw her she, after she got beat up by him. She was wandering around the street. All that stuff happened. So then William got on the stand and in in an attempt to defend his character against all these, you know, attacks against his, you know, who he is as a person. He stated that he had gotten drunk and tossed her around a bit as if this was going to come off. Tossed as like, her around. Yeah, you know. But, but he's saying, like, on occasion. That's what he's saying. He's like, you know, on occasion, I get drunk and toss her around a little bit. But, you know, marriage. He thought that would make him endearing to the jury. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Everybody you know, marriage. You know, yeah. people, ups and downs of marriage. Sometimes you hit your wife. She's bleeding. And then you guys go get ice cream. You get it, right, guy? He, like, points to one of the guys Man. on the stand. Like, you know what I mean, right? You know, those were the days. Start singing all in the family. You're like, no, that's not what that's, this, is, this is at all. Um... Now, so uh, the jurors were not convinced by William's assertion of accidental death and were looking certain to convict. Now, 
I've jumped ahead a bit, but I needed to make that clear. So, you know, the trial, this is how the trial played out. But the trial took 10 years to happen. So 10 the, years. The murder happened in 2011. And for reasons I can't find, this case was put on the back burner for almost a decade. And not until March of 2021 did the case finally go to trial. Again, it happened in 2011. He was arrested the day of Christmas. And not until 10 years later, in March of 2021, did this case go to trial. And then in June of 2021... He was convicted of second degree murder. Which second degree? Second degree murder, which carries a sentence of 15 years to life. Wow. Now, as if that's not fucked up and disrespectful enough, William Wallace was given credit for the nine year sentence that he had served wow. waiting for his case to go to trial. Could be here for some bullshit. So he, right so he could be eligible for parole in the next five years once you serve the 15. Now, it's up to a, it's up to a, you know, a, a fucking a, a group of professionals or whatever to you know, allow him parole. But he has the option by by 2027, he will be eligible for parole. You know, so it it's possible that he could be out by 2035, 2040. That's crazy. You know, because I don't think his first his first time around for parole hearing, he's not going to get out. But he gets to start having parole hearings. In the next five years, that's a win for him. That's a what? That's an absolute win for him. He might get to see the light of day again. And he has an extensive pattern of abusing his wife and then eventually killed her. So I don't know where the second degree, I don't know where the intent is or where the intent isn't because he intentionally beat her up every time that he beat her up. Yeah. And now he might not have intended to kill her, but he intended to hurt her. And that led to death. So I guess that is second degree murder, I guess. I don't really know. the. He didn't intend to kill her, I would assume. Like, I would I would guess that that's a, an obvious thing. Like right. you know, so he, like he it wasn't premeditated. It was it wasn't premeditated. Right. He intended to hurt her, and then she died from that the wounds that she had that were inflicted on her. Yeah, I so get I that. guess I get that if he beat up one time. Yeah, but he beats her up. He was beating all her up time. all the time. Yeah, you know. So it's like that. Power bombed her through a table. Yeah, I don't know how that doesn't come into consideration, or maybe that's not how law. And works. then waited to call the like no. He propped her up and fucking on the couch, man. I don't. That's medi- That's premeditation. As far as like your planning afterwards, yeah, I would have slapped them with all kind of shit like improperly. I think you like can't improperly uh, handling a corpse. Yeah, what's that's, the, I was gonna try to find a right term for. it. Yeah, I don't know what that, that yeah. sounds close enough to it. I don't know the proper term for it, but I know that's something you're not supposed to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would have hit them with all that shit. Yep. So I don't know if they did. I don't know if there's some other charges that I wasn't that I didn't find, but he got 15 years to life for the murder of Zazel, and um. He'll be eligible. He got off on that. He got off. Yeah, he definitely got off. I mean, he'll be able. His kids are traumatized for the rest of their life. A woman is dead. A family's ruined. You know, and all these things happen. And he might see the light of day by twenty thirty five. Yeah. You know, because once you start being able to go to have um, parole hearings, then you can start the process of being like, you know, I started going to church. I got saved, and mm-hmm. now they see you every year when you go to when you go to apply. And they see like, well, he's a different guy than he was the first time he came. And then you can start playing that game. Not saying it's a game all the time because there are people that deserve parole and there's people that change and for lesser crimes. Yeah. And for crimes, I don't know, crimes equal to this. I don't know. But I'm just saying it is kind of a game. I was having a discussion with my barber where I was like, the, the term good behavior is so weird to me because it's clearly a manipulation of the system. Yeah. Like, he, like if you go like, hey, uh, a, a parole officer, I mean, a corrections officer, look, I'm, I put this tray of, I threw this tray of milk in the trash, you know, and, and I read a book and I started taking workshop classes and stuff. And it's like, child. yeah, it's like, yeah, man, you should just do that shit 
why why should we reward you for these things that you are aware that it's a reward? The reward is we'll take time off your sentence if you're good enough or if you are seeming to be uh doing well in prison. It's like, yeah, yeah, but if they know that you're gonna do that, it's like me. Like when I would get I would, I would get grounded by my mom, I'd be like in my room and I just keep my door open and be like read a fucking book. Man, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone didn't see that coming. I wait till she like is coming up the steps. I'm yeah. like, man riveting like oh did you see oh my i'm so embarrassed i like oh let me close this sorry did you want to speak to me she's like no i didn't i'm going to my room oh okay that's fine well i'll just be in here reading my book and uh thinking about god and how i have the best mom that of all the moms that ever Mm -hmm. have ever been moms and this book man if i had to recommend a book hp and the p s (laughs) and it's like what the fuck yeah okay you can you can go outside tomorrow like yes I fooled you, you dummy. Yeah. You are so dumb. Fuck that book. Yeah, fuck this book. I wasn't even reading it. I just was highlighting lines on the thing. The movie comes out next year. I'm going to fucking watch the movie. Stupid. But I'm going to go out and ride my <laughs> Razor scooter. I tricked you. <laughs> so that's what I compare good behavior to, the things that I would do to try to get off punishment when I was a kid. So, yeah. Um, he is will be eligible for parole in the next five years. So That's crazy. Yeah, so that was the story of Zazel Preston and her horrible... Uh, murderer boyfriend or husband Zazel, I mean uh, William Wallace, who he's named after a Confederate general. That's, so, yeah. one of the ones up up on a yeah, he might be Stone on Stone Mountain. Mountain. Yeah, he might. William Wallace might. He's like the Will Chamberlain of of uh, the Confederacy. He's up there. He might be the, the the goat of the Confederacy. That's crazy. It's like him, General Custer, a couple of them, Robert E. Lee. If you had to really make your dream team, like your Olympic team of Confederate assholes, William Wallace probably at least six man. He might not be starting on the starting team, but he's top. He, he's top six. So, and he's named after that. Now, this, this is a black couple. Yeah, William Wallace. Is, he's a black dude, but his his family didn't make the connection. I guess. Yeah. Or maybe they. It was a foreshadowing to what a piece of shit he would grow up to become. They already knew. They already knew. It's like this baby is a, sh- a shitty baby. <laughs> Name you William Wallace. Good luck with that. So yeah, um, yeah, that was the story of Zazel Preston. Obviously, great story. Man. Obviously, rest in peace to her, man. You know, she didn't deserve any of that, and. Um, like, like I said, in the middle of my story, I really have, um, you try to grow, man. I don't know. You try to grow. And I, like I said, I've said some things on this podcast about domestic violence situations and why, why would you go back and all this type of stuff. And, and as I've learned and had conversations and grown, you, it, it, that realization that, that, what do you mean? Go where, you know, who, you know, these people aren't, we're not talking about people that are, this isn't Jennifer Lopez. This isn't the person that could just be like, I'm going to get on my private jet, move somewhere else, buy a new house, start a new life somewhere. Like, they don't have those resources. So the best they can do is move from the apartment that they know where you live yeah, and then move somewhere still nearby. Yeah. And that person finds out where it's you stalking, live again. Yeah. yeah it, it's so it's not as simple as like, just fucking leave. I just leave. I, you know, so... And so, I, you know, I will take this opportunity to apologize if any of those words that I ever said about that kind of stuff... Uh, hurt anybody who has experienced this just because statistically we have a very uh, high population of, of female listeners and I'm sure we have listeners that have experienced that kind of thing. So if I, if, if my words in that regard hurt anybody and then I apologize because it, it's a learning, you know, we're here to learn. So that was a lesson that I had learned. And so I now change the way I approach talking about domestic violence cases. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. It's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by the Oatly Lake Podcast. 
There's a new podcast from an oat milk company that has everyone, or maybe just a handful of people, buzzing. In the fall of 2021, the company Oatly discovered a lake in Michigan that shared its name. For reasons I don't personally understand, nor do I care to, they decided to visit this mysterious body of water and turn their adventure into a podcast. And now Oatly is paying me to read this synopsis, urging you to go listen to this riveting journey of an oat milk company's misguided adventure into northern Michigan. There's intrigue, danger, confusion, and a slew of bad decision making. This is Oatly Lake Season 1, Deep Waters. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts and at Oatly.com. Oatly's my favorite oat milk, and it might just be your new favorite podcast. All right, back to the show. Welcome back. It's my turn to go. My affirmative murder this week is about the story of Louis Bernard Gaskins. <clears throat> so Louis Bernard Gaskins was born March 11th, 1967. He was popularly known as the Ninja Killer, who lived in Florida, maybe in the city of Daytona Beach. The Ninja Killer. Yeah, man. On a chill night of December 20th, 1989, Gaskins decided to dress up like a ninja Hence the nickname. Literally, wow. To go out on a hunt looking for victims. That's psychotic. Yeah, man. Just he just randomly was like, and who just has a ninja costume? I don't know. Just randomly was like, oh, let, me, let me try this. Let me dress up like a. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Just throw on this ninja costume and go commit murder. Never thought I've had in my life. So while out on his hunt, Gaskin stumbled. Across the Sturmfels house, Robert, Robert and Georgette Sturmfels, fifty-six and fifty. Georgette, Georgette, yep, okay. Georgette Sturmfels, fifty-six and fifty-five years old. Mm. They were not permanent residents of Palm Coast, and uh, Palm Coast is like a. Um, it's also like Daytona, Daytona Beach, run at same area. Got it. Because they were originally, originally from New Jersey, mm. and that couple. At the time, bought a house at 10 Ripley Place and spent their winters there. So they're from mm. New Jersey. When it gets cold in the winter months, yeah, go down south of Florida. They call them snowbirds. Is that what they call them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. me. Like, I've heard that before. That's, you know, it's not yeah, nothing I, crazy. I hope I have money in my, in my elder years to be a snowbird. That would be nice. like, it's getting cold out here. Yeah. I'll see you guys in March. Yeah. It was a, it was a guy out on my route that winter time he'd go on hold and he'd have like a shit ton of hold mail because he was gone. <laughs> And he'll go to fucking um, what's that shit down Florida? Um, the party spot, Key West. Key West. Oh, he's yeah. a freaky boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll go down to Key West. Yeah, he's he's nasty. <laughs> anytime, oh. anytime, any I see anybody with that like orange older skin, like you know sixty plus, that that leathery suntan skin, and they yeah. go, "Oh, me and my wife love Key West." I'm like, "Oh, you guys mm. go down there and get nasty." It's nasty down there for the sixty pluses. They get down there. But naked, yeah. They have all kind of festivals and stuff where they fuck each other in the streets and it gets What, crazy. they got beaches and stuff? Yeah. Oh, it's really? a nude. You can be nude. Everywhere? Nude on the street. I mean, I don't know if you can, but they do. It's a wild town. It's wow. a wild town. Great. First time I went to Key West, I went to a bar with my buddy last. Shout out to Les. And then we went to it. They have like a nude bar. Yeah. And then he was like, Everybody just take your clothes off. I started taking clothes. I took my shirt off. I was like, this is the most I'm going to do, bro. I'm not walking around here with my doink out on a roof. You know what I, mean? I just landed, bro. I, let me get acclimated. Let me dip my toes in the water first. Let me, let me, let me, let me get, look, I can't, don't, you want me to dive right into the That's cold. Funny. So I took my shirt off and had a good time. But no, nah, it was an old man. And they're just like, 
Dick out. Just dick out. <laughs> dick out. Partying. And not a, and nobody. Like nothing. No judgments or anything. That's Got what I, lo- I love that about beads it. around his neck and shit. Man. Like man. Come up to you. Hey, so you. How long How long you guys been in Key West? I, you know, I'm wow. not used to talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've talked to old and men. His hip and shit, like yeah, like, man, you guys, <laughs> man, you guys like it here? It's party capital. You're yeah. like, man, your dick is out right now. Like, right now, right now. Crazy. I'm not used to that. I've had it in the locker yeah. rooms. You know, somebody be like, man, I saw you guys playing basketball. I got a nice little jump shot on you. That kind of thing. You're like, man, your dick's out, but it's whatever, because we're, <laughs> we're in the locker room. But being out in a public setting, it was new to me. <laughs> it was new to me. So yeah. you're that guy or that you get his mail? Freaky boy. Yeah. He like little freak. <laughs> Big old freak. He takes his little trailer dry down there and shit or whatever he does. <laughs> um, so yeah, so again, they wasn't um originally from they were originally from New Jersey, so they came down the winter birds, which mm. you call it. Snow. Snowbirds, I'm sorry, snowbirds and they'll go down to Florida. Palm Coast. Don't know the winter months. Mm-hmm. So at the at the time, Palm Coast, Florida, um, then was just like it was they use the example, it was ten years away from being what it is today. So now today is mm. these beautiful single family homes that's out there. So it was on the come up. Shit. Yeah, so it was on the come up. So when they got that house down there, I'm guessing it was like newly built. Yeah. And it was like at no the time neighbors. it was just no neighbors. It was just them. Yeah. So again, at the time the company was still in development. So it was mostly wide open areas. So the Sternfell's house uh sat alone in a cul-de-sac surrounded by woods. Mm. With that house sitting by themselves, I always so whenever I'm out and, you know, I'm driving and you see big houses or whatever just, like, on a hill or something or, like, what's around it. It makes me super nervous because I always think about, like, I would love to have a house like that. Yeah. But it makes me nervous it being sitting by itself. Because if, if that personal, shit, yeah, if that personal attack shit comes to you. that can happen, that happens in the story. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's what that's what terrifies me about having a house that sits like that with woods. People can just fucking... Just be sitting out there watching you, and you don't even know. Yeah, we're gonna tonight. We're gonna get that. Yeah, that's bro. No neighbors I like saw, I, I want neighbors like, but I, you want to be single family. You want like some neighbors, but they want some, some nice distance. Yeah, I want some people near though. Yeah, man. I saw that movie, The Strangers, bro. It, all, it only took one. I have not watched that movie since the first time I watched it. I watched it in the movie theater. You might have been there, but you probably weren't there because you were asleep. Yeah, but I feel like you were there, but you probably were asleep. Um, and yeah, man, they lived just far enough from people that. They could get tormented and attacked by these people, and, and then when you go know. to and when you go to even when you make it out for that brief second, you go to try to run and scream. You got to run and scream for like yeah. two hundred and fifty yards before even so they can catch you by then. Yeah. So you get out even and start screaming, and then nobody can hear you. Yep. No. Yep. So that, that just like thinking about that, and then read this when I go. This is the reason why I don't I don't like that. So this ninja stumbled upon the <laughs> Sternfield's home and noticed a couple sitting in their living room. So this dude is stalking them. Yes. I read the the actual um the breakdown of the what happened in the case and, uh-huh. and another and another site said something else. But he drove around the house, this this scope court or whatever mm-hmm. for a couple minutes, right? So he did this. Me, I imagine him doing that, hyping himself up, trying to get him mm. trying to get the carriage to go to go through with his plan, right? Sure. So finally getting himself together after his little, you know, Ray Lewis speech that he gives himself, he's ready. He found a good spot, so he parked his car in the woods. You know, secluded. He's a ninja, mm-hmm. so he's threw some tree branches on top of the tree, car. Tree, yeah, he's not. He's unseen now. Mm-hmm. You, he's out of sight. He is the night. Yep. So he sees the couple sitting in their living room. He fired two shots through the window. Oh. One of them struck Robert Sternfeld in the chest. He stood up from his chair, clutched his chest, scaring his wife. Mm. 
At that time, his wife thought he was having a heart attack. So was it like a silencer gun or what? She didn't hear the gun? Yes, he did. He did have a silence on his gun. Okay, yes, he yeah. did have a silence on his gun. Seconds later, Gaskins fired at Georgette when she got up to leave the room. Yeah. So maybe to call 911 or something. Yeah. So to see, I don't, we don't know what she was yeah, trying yeah. to do, but he he gets up, hold his chest and she noticed that something is wrong. She's trying to leave the room to do whatever, call get the phone or whatever. Then Gaskins shoots Mr. Robert for a, thir- a third time. Mm. Right. So, and then Mr. Jet crawls into the hallway. So what happens is just to go to rewind myself a little bit. He shoots through the window, shoots Mr. Gaskins. From outside the house. I mean, I mean, Mr. Mr. Sternfeld, from outside the house. Yes, okay, yeah. She stands up, right? He shoots her. He shoots her, right? Then he's making his way towards his house. Miss Sternfeld is now crawling yeah. in the hallway, right? Mm-hmm. So she's hit, so she's trying to, like, I get, don't know, get to the phone, trying to survive, assume. right? Yeah, yeah. So as she's crawling in the hallway, Gaskins follows her around the house so he's on the outside from but the, he can still see from window to window in, from window to window wow. while she's trying to make her way around the house that's crazy and so he saw her through a door and then shot her again then gaskins put out the screen broke the window and entered the home there he fired one more bullet into each of the sternfield's heads and then covered the bodies with blankets flagler county sheriff mark Car- mark carmen and flagler is also a county uh which is also a part of daytona beach was a major crime detective in, at the time of the shooting and one of many detectives who worked the case. He recalled Gaskins describing the sound of the Sternfels made after he shot her. It reminded him of when hogs were killed. Oh, that's crazy. He called it, quote, he called it the death gurgle. Oh. So before leaving the now gruesome crime scene, Gaskins decided to take a couple of things. He took a clock, he took a pair of lamps, he took a video cassette recorder, and also cash and jewelry. He loaded his car and he left. Taking lamps is wild. Like, what are you? Yeah, man. Furniture? Yeah. Take some lamps. Take man, these would look good in my lair. It is an 80s. My ninja lair. It's an 80s. So he left the area, but couldn't find his way back to Royal Palms Parkway. And ended up at another dead-end street with another lonely house on Riker's Place. He noticed a light come on in the house, and he decided, hey, I got away with the first one so far. Why not do it again? What are the odds that, like, that person, you know, went to the kitchen, bathroom, whatever, and if they hadn't done that little thing that might have been assigned to him, he would have maybe went home or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a sick game to think about, but it's like. It could just be that little, like uh, one little move you make. Yeah. Like, man, I mean, it could have been. It could have just been like. It could have been the he light. Could, he he saw a light on, or the light was already on, and he yeah. just like eh, that, that house. That house. Yeah. I'm here. I'm already lost. I'm here. He Why also not? could be a liar and just was like, I was gonna go to the house anyway. But yeah. him saying that, like, then a light came on, and I was like, oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Try this one house now. Exactly. So he spied on, and this was the the uh, director. So he spied on the director's home, like he did the Sternfields but couldn't get a clear shot while the rector sat in their den. Like his first murder at the Sternfield's house, he had a clear shot, yeah. and he shot through the window. From outside. Yeah. So the rector's rose, they got up, right? Mm-hmm. They was heading to bed for the night, so they cut off the lights. Now he doesn't have a shot at all. Yeah. The house is dark. So Gaskins had to find a way to lure them outside, one of them at least. So what he did was he went out and cut the telephone cords, telephone lines, so disable those. Mm-hmm. And then he went and threw logs and rocks on the roof, right? Wow. Yeah. 
So Joe and Mary Rector heard the noise and got scared. Yeah. They're not again. Yeah. It's the house sits by himself and you hear noises and shit. It's like right. now you're nervous, right? So now they're scared and nervous. Joe went to investigate what the noise was, and once Gaskin had a clear shot, he shot Joe from outside of the house. Hitting Joe in the torso. So at this point, um, Joe has been shot in the torso. Yeah. Now, him and his wife are trying to like, they're trying to get out the house. Yeah. So they run, whatever they did, get their stuff. I don't know how, I, you know, there's no timeline of exactly how long it took them to get to the car, but they got, they saw he was shot, ran to the car, got out the driveway, sped off, right? They got so away. they got away. And they got away, so they managed to get out of the driveway and go to the nearest hospital. While they're driving away, Gaskins shot five twenty-two caliber rounds, but only hitting the car. Oh, wow. Wow. So doctors managed to save Joe's life, but it was a close call. The couple was even was even saying their goodbyes on the way to the hospital, which is so terrifying. So deputies arrive at the rector's home all at once on December 21st of 1989. They collect the evidence like shell casings, footprints, and tire tracks. Gaskins also entered the house, so forensic specialists um, went to search for footprints as well. The first house? This is the rector's. Oh, okay. Director. They don't even know. He went know. to the rector's house too? They don't, they, don't, they don't know about this one. I'm about to bring it up now. They don't know about, they don't oh, know about the stuff. house. wonder they took from their house. So by early afternoon, the sheriff's office got a call from... USBS letter carrier, who saw two bodies inside the home, mm. less than less than a mile south of the rector's. On how, yeah, so he got lost again. He got lost. So yeah, don't know, you know how much, how far he drove, but it was less than a mile. Detectives were shocked to see a crime scene even worse than the one they were already working on that morning. Carmen, who was again was the sheriff, mm. um, said that this is the first capital murder. This is he. This is what he said. "Quote: This is the first capital murder I've ever worked on. Flagler was not a place with a lot of gun violence, especially in 1989. So a break in the case came when a a, a confidential informant named Alfonso Golden, f- for the Bernal Police Department, came forward with some information. So the police referred him to the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. The deputy who interviewed the informant was Sergeant Warnell Williams." The informant told Williams that he was in possession of the rifle used in the shooting. He also said that his cousin dated Mr. Gaskins and had the items that may have been stolen from the house um, that the Sternfields were killed in. Mm. So Williams said, quote, that Gaskins saved some of the some of the stuff that he stole and gave it to his girlfriend, who was his cousin, for Christmas. The lamps. The lamps, jewelry, or whatever. It's a fucking clock. I don't know. Williams also said that Gaskins told him that he jacked this. We said, quote, he jacked the gifts and left this victim stiff. Like a rap? I don't know. I don't know. That's I mean, yeah, great. He's dressed like a ninja while he says it. Maybe that's his whole thing. And there, when you said he dresses like a ninja, now you're telling me he has a girlfriend. That threw me off. Yeah. Now you're telling him he also speaks in rhyme speak. Yeah, man. Dressed as a ninja at a Christmas party. Nobody wants to talk to this dude. Yeah. You don't want to get caught in this. You don't want to get caught in a corner with this dude telling you about the things that he does. Then it's the 80s, too. So, you know, it was like, Jack the Gifts and the Left is Still. Huh, 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 huh. Like, yeah, man. All right. I don't think cool. he did all that. Yeah, great, man. Thanks. I don't think he did all Well, it was an, it stuck out enough that this guy <laughs> was like, I'm calling the, I'm going to the police. Yeah. Jack the Gifts and Left them Still. Left them Stiff. Yeah, man. Wow. 
why do people feel so comfortable? Every story we do, like, yeah, why man, they tell just, me that? They can't help it. He feeling good for himself. His girl got some nice gifts. He like, yeah, man, I got feeling good about himself and everything. Did you see Nancy's lamps? <laughs> yeah, zebra fur. Zebra fur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, cool. Yeah, stole them. Stole them. Oh, how? Did you ask? No, I didn't. Yeah, I killed the people. Whatever, no big deal. Left them stiff. Left took them the stiff. gifts. Left stiff. Or I killed them. Whereas I say, took the gifts and left them stiff. All right, man, I'm gonna go get some more eggnog. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for thanks for telling me that. Merry Christmas. That man was like, calling police. Tomorrow. Yeah, immediately. I'm calling authorities on you immediately. So Carmen and another detective arrested Mr. Gaskins on the morning of December 20th, 1989, outside a friend's house on Heyman Circle and brought him for questioning. Gaskin promised to tell the detectives everything they wanted to know, only if he was allowed to smoke. So Mr. Carmen drove to from the jail to the nearby corner store to purchase Gaskins his smokes, smokes of choice, mm. which was a pack of black and mild cigars. <laughs> what? Nothing. What man? <laughs> what <is that? laughs> no, I don't have anything. I don't that just made me laugh. I don't know why it made me it laugh. It made me laugh too. Yeah, it was like what? Like black and mild. You smoking a smoking a black and mild during an interrogation. Yeah. Not even like a, a new pool. I won't talk unless I get the black yeah, and mild. Yeah, come on, man. That's crazy. So Gaskins, just as he promised, confessed to everything. Not only did he confess of his shooting spree on the night of December twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, he also confessed to killing a coworker in nineteen eighty six. As well as shooting and injuring a woman outside of Daytona, outside of Daytona Beach Bank in the summer of 1989, the woman was a retail manager making a late night drop. So like a robbery, a robbery. Yes. So he didn't even try to lie. Oh him? Oh wow. Oh, damn. It's like I'm a black miles. I'm over. This shit is over. So, so you know something. You kept your word when I said I won't talk unless I smoked. I didn't think you guys would go get my blacks. But you guys went and got my great blacks. Yeah. So I'm a man of my word. I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. Even stuff you didn't ask about. I remember, I remember that feeling that detectives get when they they pull somebody in for something and then he, he goes, or she goes, you know, oh, yeah, that I also killed this person. And he go, like, I want to know what feeling they get you for play, that. You like, play it cool. Yeah. You know, had a relationship with, like, the family or something like sure. that. Sure. You get to close it. Come out, you get to go and call that family and say, hey, yeah. you know, we found a person. Well, I'm sure they feel fan- fucking fantastic, yeah, especially yeah. when you didn't even know that you were. this was the person exactly. that did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 1990, Gaskins was convicted of all of all of his charges, including multiple counts of first degree and first degree and attempted first degree murder. They say Gaskins was a confident young man when when he killed the Sternfels. Mm-hmm. Now he's just an old, unhealthy 51 year old man with glasses, salt and pepper beard, and for nearly three decades he spent 23 hours a day in solitary confinement. Mm. Gaskins is one of 345 people on Florida's death row in Rayford. 75 of them have been there longer than him. Mm. So he was sentenced. Long line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's going to die on death row. He's not getting getting killed. So he was sentenced to the electric chair for the double murder. Gaskins told psychologists before his trial that he was fully aware of what he was doing when he was dressed up as a ninja and murdered Robert and Georgette Sternfels. Yeah, but you know how that sentence just doesn't sound like that, though? What? He's like, like man, that, no, yeah. dude, I, I had his outfit. I wanted to put it on. I, I wanted to dress like a ninja. I always wanted to be a ninja, and this is what I wanted to do, and I I'm, I was fully aware of the decisions I was making. Say, so listen, have you guys ever seen The Last Dragon? Okay, I'm a big fan. I love Bruce Leroy. So I decided I was going to wear a ninja costume yeah. and then commit robberies, and so I was fully aware of what I was doing. That's crazy. Read that sentence again and tell me that doesn't sound good. I was fully aware what? He's fully aware when he's dressed as a ninja. 
What if he? What if he wasn't like? What if he wasn't dressed like a ninja? That's a that's and he was but like that's such a like, big part. That what if that, he was dressed like fucking Zoro? And that's like, as crazy. That's as crazy. Dressed as anything is crazy, but dressed as a ninja is crazy. Dressed as Zoro is, is, is there's not many things you could be dressed as where it doesn't sound crazy. If I was the defense, I would definitely go, Your Honor. Don't listen to anything that he says. He says that dressed crazy, as a ninja. So he said, "Quote: The guilt was always there. Mm. The devil had more of a hold than God did." Bring up the devil now. I knew that I was wrong. I wasn't insane. That's his words. Okay. His words. Okay. But that was the story of Louis Bernard Gaskins, aka the, the Ninja, Ninja Killer. Killer. That was a interesting fucking story. Um, terrifying. I will definitely be living in a house that has neighbors close by. Um, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes because they could they're desperately needed after this episode. Welcome back. Start the music. Start the music. There we go. There we go. This is a good vibe segment right here. I like to fade it in slowly. Yeah, man. When I start talking, I want to be playing immediately. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. My good vibe this week is students at Texas College graduated last week, not only with their diplomas, but with their balances cleared suddenly by an anonymous donor. Mm. Now, you wonder who I think that anonymous donor is? Please. Uh, Jeff Bezos' wife. Oh. What's her name? Some Bezos. I don't know. Jackie Bezos. Jackie Bezos? That's what we're going to roll with. (laughs) I think it was her. Because this, uh, this, this, from the picture, from all the graduates, it's all black. I see one white lady there, but she be holding it down, though. Oh, is that what she's been doing? She's been giving a lot to a lot of urban causes? Well, I know she donated to a lot of HBCUs, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay, Jackie Bezos. Yeah. So more than 100 students assembled for the 133rd graduation ceremony at Wiley College and were shocked to hear President and CEO Dr. Herman J. Felton Jr. announced their balances had been paid off. Wow. The recent pandemic had exacerbated some students' ability to pay their debts. Some, uh, so some graduates and parents in the audience in Marshall, Texas, were especially thrilled to hear the news. What if you just see some parent, some family, just like that's celebrating enough, the most? That's like enough to make you cry. You ever seen that video? If that guy, he's like in the stand and he was like throwing flipped his hand, the, he flipped over the rail, flipped did, back over the rail. That. That's yeah, hilarious, yeah, man. That's for sure. You gotta turn. You gotta. You gotta turn up for your family sometimes. Yeah, man. But you find out your kid is debt free coming out of college. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would probably make a scene in there, too. Yeah, it, man. Was, it was a joyous occasion, I'm sure, like all around the whole crowd. Absolutely. So our commitment, to, our commitment to our students goes beyond their time while they are enrolled, said Felton. We are grateful for this anonymous donor. I guess he, do, I guess he doesn't even know. For this anonymous, anonymous donor who will assist the students in paying off their debts. The, total, the estimate total owned... Owed by the class of 2022 in the historical black college was $300,000. By the whole class? Yeah. That's a pretty affordable college. Yeah. Still, not knocking anything. No. That's great. They don't have to pay shit. They don't so, have to pay anything. Yeah. You I know, take that all day. You know who's really bummed about this whole thing? Nobody's bummed, but there's only one person who's bummed, and that is Fannie Mae. Those fucking, uh, that scam, 
you might be fifteen thousand dollars in debt. By the time you pay some college debt off, you didn't pay back forty six thousand dollars. How they make their money? Yeah, yeah, that compounding interest. Yeah. So they are bummed. They're like, damn, we just got the fifteen back. Damn, yeah. shit, missed out on doubling our profit. Um, but that's amazing. That's awesome. Still, I wonder what a full, a full year, a full four years of tuition, and everybody did that, and it's only three hundred thousand dollars for a class of kids. Wow, it's a really affordable college, as all colleges should be. Yeah, I think college in the UK is free. If not, is it? if it's not free, it's really, it's really, it's really inexpensive. It's not like the the. It's not like a decision on life or death. Like either you go and try to be successful in what you want to do, or you fucking go deep in the. Yeah, I mean, well, here in the states is like going. To, even if you don't want to go to college, saying you're going to college is like, oh, this person's on the right track. Or you're trying to yeah. do something with you. Which is bull, you know. Which, which is, exactly, which yeah. is, it is bullshit. Yeah. And it's, but it's like, if you're not going to college after high school, it's like, what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, do with your life? Going to go fucking be a loser? loser? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think we sh- I think we should continue to work to dispel those kind of narratives because yeah. they're not true. And, you know, if you want to go to be a doctor or something like that, then, yeah, you absolutely have to go to school to do that. But if you want to open up a business, I don't think you need to go to business school to open up a business. No. I think the best way to learn yeah. is by doing and you just go open up a business and learn how to learn. You yep. know, like you can read some books and shit too, and learn from a book. If you want to exactly. be an entrepreneur, you can do that. You don't have to go to entrepreneurial school. It's not a. Th- it's not a thing. No, nobody can teach you how to be a hustler. Anyway, Fran, to touch on the thing that we talked at the top talked about at the top of the show, there's a thing that we didn't mention, but it is a real thing, and there's a good vibe story coming out of Buffalo because one thing that wasn't mentioned we've we've discussed like generational implications from things that have happened in the past um, on this podcast before. For example, stereotypes against black people about um, black people not knowing how to swim. There is a historical context to that kind of things. Uh, racist people going to public pools, pouring bleach in the pools, attacking people, running kids off from schools, not wanting to swim with those black people. So they go and get pools in their own backyards because they are financially able to make decisions like that. And then because those people aren't funding the public pools anymore, they shut down because they all go, we have, well, we're just going to get pools in our backyards. So we, yeah. we don't swim with these nasty people. And so those pools close down. There's no more public pools. And then black people can't afford to get pools. So they just stop swimming. And then the next generation comes along. And it's just like, we just don't swim. Yeah. And then the next generation, next generation, so on and so on forth. And then we get here with Fran. Do you not swim? Nope. Not and, at all. And you don't even have any questions or know why. And you're just like, my dad didn't swim. My well, mom I've been swim. I was traumatized a long time ago. Okay. You had to, you had to, you had to. I, tried, I tried to dip in and then. Got jumped in the deep end? Yeah. And, um, you know, sunk it, right that, was, that was almost it for me. And then yeah. after that, I go, eh, Fuck I'm it. good. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's understandable as well. Yeah. Um, But it's in part because I feel like your parents probably were like, there's no need to teach them them how to swim because we don't even it's like a rare occasion that we would even be at a pool yeah because most black people was like when do we when am i near a pool you know unless you go on vacation or something live like in that. an apartment complex and get a pool fair point that's a fair fucking point yeah and that's how i learned how to swim because you had to have like that's what my, that's lamin- my incident happened oh you're trying to get the laminated uh pass to go swim because no i mean a- we lived in an apartment complex and i they didn't went make on you take a test no wow we, i didn't take a test they had a life no. they had a lifeguard there and they're like you have to prove that you can swim no to go i think because i was with my to dad go out of the four feet I think oh you're dad. supervised to yeah. swim at the pool at my apartment complex unsupervised and leave the three feet yeah you had to take a swim test mm. and then you get a little laminated card from them saying you you know how to swim yeah, i don't know what i was thinking i you just thought like, you swim. Was to swim just natural and i was like yeah man mm, that's why i feel terrible. uncomfortable about those you know those videos where they throw babies in pools yeah there's not a one I've seen where no. I'm like, good for them. That's great. I'm like, that's horrible. Like, what yeah. if they swallow a bunch of water while they're trying to get readjusted, coming back up to the top? I hate those videos. They look like torture porn. Yeah. They make me so uncomfortable. You just throw your baby in a pool and they fucking 
float around and they pop up and they they're crying. It looks yeah. like they're crying. They don't look like they want to be doing it. It's like, yeah, but they know how to swim. Cause they, I guess, cause they sit in the belly. I guess. I don't know. I guess, man. Um, I don't like all in there. I don't know. Juices. That's I don't not know. a medical term. Not- <laughs> you should. I think you were like there. You should know some stuff. <laughs> the juices. <laughs> you know all the yuck. Anyway, uh, so so um, my back to my point. Generational implications. So, um, Tops was the only grocery store in that neighborhood. Mm. Outside of that grocery store. That was a food desert. That part of Buffalo was a food desert. There weren't there aren't other options for groceries in that part of Buffalo. It's just a place where it's like you go to the corner store to get your groceries and whatever they have. They have bananas today. You get some bananas and, you know, maybe some bread or whatever. But they don't have a proper produce grocery store in that area other than Tops. Really? And now there was a shooting that happened now and everybody's petitioning to keep Tops open. But they have to fucking they're going to be closed for a little bit because yeah. they just there was a mass shooting 10 people were killed at the store so it's 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 out of commission for a little bit and now that's no groceries for that area, no proper groceries wow. for that area so a lot of the people in the neighborhood are are uh, chipping in so this is the story about that so um the top supermarket in buffalo buffalo's east side was a store that <coughs> black residents pushed for years to get that was another point too like wow. they they had to like fight to get that store there so they've pushed for years to get and that and i guess store. that's just like a new york local yeah, because we yeah. don't have a tops here. Yeah, we don't have a tops here. I yeah. don't know about tops, but I would imagine it's like a chain, and they probably were like, "Why isn't there a chain? I mean, why isn't there a tops in this neighborhood?" Yeah. They had to like fucking because this is a food desert. They, they had to they had to do that fight, and they finally got the tops there, and then this happens, and now tops now has to make the decision on if they want to keep their business open in the store in the area or not. And I think they will. I think they will, but it's gonna they gotta you know renovate it, renovate it, come back S- stronger than ever. Security, yes, security for sure. Yeah, sadly, at a fucking grocery store. Um, so those without access to a car particularly relied on this location to walk to. Yeah. With the store closed for the foreseeable future as investigators process the crime scene, mm-hmm. the food desert has returned and and Trice Smith is is one of the longtime customers seeking other options. Uh, he said, we don't have much over here. You know, we don't have markets on every corner. You know what I'm saying? We have people that don't have cars. So yeah. it's like if you can't, you can't go grocery shopping on the bus. I mean, you can, but... You're gonna get two bags of groceries, and then yeah. you're gonna have to come and go, come back in two days. I used to do that with my grandmother. We would go to the we would go to the we would go to the Northeast Market, and she would just get food for like the next couple of days. Is couple this of still fish. Open? Oh yeah, it's thriving. Northeast it's, Market? I mean, it's not thriving, but it's oh. open, it's an open market. It's an open market. <laughs> hey. You get fish and all that type of stuff there. But we would go catch the bus or catch a cab, go, and you just get enough stuff that you can carry. A couple of onions, a fish, some meat, chicken some wings, chicken, yeah, yeah, and then I you, been in a while. yeah, yeah. It's, Great place. I got good memories. Yeah, yeah, it's like I go there. It makes me think of my grandmother when I go. But um, and it's not even a grocery store. It's it's a market. But still, but we would go. It's fresh. But we would go and just get. We wouldn't get bags and bags of shit because it's like we got to get this on the bus or we got to get this in a cab. Like we don't have. So even if you do go grocery shopping on the bus, you're gonna have to come back like every couple of days. I gotta head down there. Yeah, yeah, for good time. I'll go with you, man. They got good pretzel dogs there. Really? They used to have a hot dog. No wait, what's the other market? Lexington Market? Lex, no, I was thinking Lexington Market. Uh, I don't, I don't, that's West Side. I'm from East Side. I don't oh, know see, nothing about I Lexington Market. I don't know. Lexington Market yeah. was the spot. Yeah, hot dog spot there. My dad used to take me all the time. It's closed now. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. Go there and get three hot dogs, everything on it. <laughs> oh, man, was, oh, okay, we're man. getting real regional now. We're I'm sorry. Real, so anyway, so so um, like this guy said, like if there's people in this neighborhood that don't have cars and they need groceries. So organizations from outside the community, including World Central Kitchen, have come down to hand out food, Personal hygiene products, cleaning supplies, and Dope. other things. Yeah, they, they, community, bro. It, it, it takes a village to do this, man. Like, 
to be humans. It takes a village. Uh, but a huge level of support is coming from local organizations and churches that are meeting the challenge of feeding their neighbors. This is at the same time that they are processing their own grief. Many who spoke to NPR noted that once they once these outside organizations leave, it's the local groups that will continue to meet the need. And that's yeah. very important. Like all these people that are here for the moment, I'm not knocking them, but I'm saying they're here for the moment. Eventually they go, all right, I think we chipped in enough. Now let's all go back to where we came from. It's up to the people that are there every day. These churches that people, I, don't even, I was going to go down the road. I'm not even going to go down the road. But these churches that people invest in and believe in and look for for guidance are they need to step up and help the community build back up to where it needs to be. So it's important for them to be, to do that. Uh, beyond the yellow caution tape on Jefferson Avenue, tables and tents have been set up where groups have unloaded trucks, vans, and cars to distribute mounds of food to anyone who comes by. This site is directly across the street from the scene at the top supermarket. In between memorials for the 10 victims of sat last Saturday's attack, members of local organizations have gathered nearby every day since to, since to hand out clothes, food, or take a moment to talk to their neighbors. George Johnson said, quote, there's still a lot of residents that still have to be fed. The president, the president of Buffalo United Front told NPR that with the, markets being, with the market being closed, they can't get their groceries, so we tried to provide different things for them. Right next to his group tape to his group's table, members of the Buffalo Peacemakers manned a grill throughout the week, coming uh, cooking up hot dogs and hamburgers for the crowds. And they were getting down too. They got that nice little char on the hot dog. Mm. If your hot dog is not burnt, I don't want it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, elsewhere in the city, mobile food pantries and free community fridges are meeting up with meeting up meeting a new need from customers who relied on tops. These, gro these groups that run those fridges have existed in this neighborhood for a long time. The East Ferry Street location of the Buffalo Community Fridge was bustling out, was bustling early Tuesday morning. As early as 8.30 a.m., people from in and outside of the east side pulled up, dropped off diapers, fresh milk, and produce. The tragedy has brought out a flood of new donations, volunteers told new, uh, NPR. Emily Eisenhart stopped by for the first time on Tuesday. She donated fresh fruit, Vegetables, diapers, tampons, and sanitary pads, which is stuff like you, when you think of a grocery store, you just think of food and shit like that. But people get things that they medicine, tampons, all that kind of like that, that kind of stuff, too. Like these people don't have access to that stuff. You're not going to get that from a corner store. Um, uh, the, 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 the lady went on to say, it definitely won't be my last time. I'm just kind of broken. Like this is my community and no one should ever have to go through what they're going through right now. Yeah. Many of the local organizations are intentionally keeping donations, uh, keeping donation distribution outdoors for now. Understandable, because the trauma that these people are going to have to deal with probably for years to come, maybe pass it down to their kids. Yeah. Where you go like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I don't go in and I don't go indoors anymore. I don't go to grocery stores like that. Could, that's a reality for some people. They're like, I will never go in a grocery store again. Even if Tops, especially top, not that one. Yeah. Maybe not any grocery store, but I'll never go into that Tops again. And it's the only grocery store around here. So now what do I do? I have to get on a bus and go to the next Tops, uh, the next town over, because I'm not going in there again. Yeah. Like, that's reality, man. That's trauma. That's how trauma, trauma manifests, man. Um, Yeah. Man, I, I jumped the shark. A lot of people are scared to go inside of the store right now, said Carrie Soccer, the chief of staff of uh, Resource Council of, of WNY. Um, so they said, so we're so we're out in the open. We're pretty much a mobile tops at this moment, she said. Uh, so we're we're just trying to provide them at least the basics of what they would have got of what they would have gotten when they went to the grocery store. 
Mm-hmm. On Monday, she said the group gave out food to more than 650 people in eight hours. The influx of donations has been huge, she said. It's been a constant nonstop operation. At the same time, Soccer, who was a lifelong resident, has to try to process what happened. She said, but I'm trying to keep myself together too, right? With the contributions of major corporations and the work of local grassroots organizations, Soccer said, I think we'll be okay because I know this community and we're a strong community. Um, yeah, man. So out of a really dark situation, you you this is when you see communities come together. And there's a beauty in that. But also... I wanted to touch on that generational trauma, man, because you talk about the lack of resources that this community already had one grocery store. And now that one grocery store is done is gone. And you see the domino effect of how that it, 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 it washes over the entire community. It, yeah. it, it, it makes everything, it makes life more difficult for everybody there. And that's what I, when, when I talk about when people go that argument of like, yeah, man, I got my own problems. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but do you live? In, do you live in a food desert? And now this has. It's like, oh yeah, we all have to deal with mass shootings. It's like, okay, yeah, we all have to deal with mass shootings. But do you not have a grocery store now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just that extra layer of like, okay, yeah, mass shootings is a terrible U.S. problem. But when people go and directly attack low-income neighborhoods because of the color of these people's skin, and they and they go and do this thing, they didn't even. That wasn't this guy's evil implication to like, I'm gonna make sure make this grocery store close. And and affect thousands of black people. He just wanted to go kill some black people. Yeah. And now he's affected an entire community, not only just emotionally, but physically. Like they literally, they are literally affected. They they can't get food. You know. So it's just beautiful to see the community come together and like not let this terrible person deter them from like being there for one another. Yeah. So yeah. So shout Getting, out to um, Buffalo <laughs> Strong. Hashtag <laughs> Buffalo Strong. I have a question. Go for it. Uh, you might you probably don't have to answer this, but do you think that like him? Dylan Roof, those type of people. Do you think are they allowed to get letter mail? Ooh. You know, I don't have the answer to that question, but I mean I don't see why they would be legally not allowed to get mail. And I'm hmm. sure they get a lot of fan mail and a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Money. They probably get money to put on their books. That's crazy. From racist organizations. So yeah, I don't know how I don't think you can legally like not let people get mail. And so I bet they get a lot of fan mail. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Cause I yeah, they they can't do that. They can't say you can't get mail. So I I'm sure they get a lot of Look at that fucking kid from Kenosha, Wisconsin, man. Oh yeah. He's like a celebrity now. He's probably he probably has netted six figures in donations easily. People just sending him money, go go fund me, PayPal, whatever the fuck. Um Cash App, Cash App him $50 here and there. He's probably gotten thousands of those, you know. That's so But his sad. life but his life is ruined. But he gets to go on TV and insult LeBron James. Yeah, terrible life. Um. Yeah, man. Um, that's a good question. I'll bet Dylan Roof is allowed to get mail, and I bet he gets a lot of fan mail. And I bet this guy, once he gets situated, is going to get a lot of fan mail. Mm-hmm. Like I said, man, he live streamed it, bro. He was talking to somebody. There's a community out there who was cheering on that this happened. They might not be out publicly cheering, but like 4chan, 8chan. I don't think these yeah. these things <clears throat> exist anymore. I hope they don't. But the the sites of like the QAnon and all that type of stuff, those type of dark web websites and and forums and stuff. They're cheering. This is a victory. He got 10 of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it's seen. So, yeah. Um, fuck that kid, man. Yeah. And, but, yeah, he's going to definitely get some fan mail. So, get some honey buns. Free, some, you know, get some honey buns paid for and stuff like that. But he's not going to have fun in prison. They're gonna, he's going to be on PC for sure. Like, 
not gonna be it's not gonna be a fun time, but it will be a a funded time. Like I'm, he's not gonna have to pay for his ramen noodles. Yeah, I'm just I'll just ask because like, New Delivery was one of his people. He like I guess look up to. I guess I don't know. Probably because he had him. He had his name on his gun. That's what I read. He did. Yeah. I only saw that he had nigger on his gun. So cool kid, super cool kid. His parents should be proud. Mm. His parents should. I wonder what his parents have to say about that. I wonder what do people. I've already. I haven't. They seen should anything. talk to them. Yeah. How do you not? You didn't see the signs. The the fucked up part was they said the kid he got caught. He had a plan to shoot yeah, up school that. last year yeah, yeah. to shoot up his school last year. Nobody really uh, saw that as a red flag or still was able to buy a gun. Still was able to buy a gun. Nobody put him on a list. Nothing like that. So it's like I don't really know what to do, man. I made some remarks online about if we need to have some kind of federal database for these people. You know, if you if you make a bomb threat or a threat to shoot a school up where they find the plans of you, whatever, you need to be put on some kind of list, man. Yeah. And not be allowed to buy weapons. I mean, is that like that? Is that crazy? Is that taking away somebody's rights that you are mentally unstable and you made a threat to hurt somebody? And so we just keep an eye on you. Now, I understand that's a slippery slope. Big brother, we live in America. Patriot Act is crazy, all these type of things. We don't want people spying on American citizens. But I'll tell you like this. I am perfectly fine compromising some liberties if I feel like we are at a a place in time where people are nuts and it's not safe for the mass of people. Yeah. So I'm fine with like, uh, you know, if, if you told me, yeah, man, we know Fran called into his job and said he was going to shoot everybody at his job. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you should keep an eye on Fran. It's not, are we just going to dismiss that? Yeah. Well, he didn't do it, so what is this, the minority report? You can't fucking just punish people for things they didn't do yet because they might do something in the future. It's like, nah, but you can keep an eye on them. I'm a fan of that. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. You make a crazy threat. You These people that were flipping out on planes all throughout the pandemic, spitting on uh, flight attendants and oh, yeah. all this, saying racist shit. Put them, you put them on a no-fly list, right? Okay, you fucking make a threat to shoot a school up, you got to be on a no-buy-a-gun list. No-buy list. I agree with that. You know, put them on a no-buy list for a couple. You got You can't buy a gun for five years. We put you You. you we put you on a list. You. We can re- and then you got to come back, you got to take a psychiatric Yeah, I'm about to say, it got to be something else after that. You got to yeah, get yeah, evaluated yeah, after yeah, five yeah. years. You can't buy a gun for five years, and you get reevaluated um after the five years yeah. uh, suspension is up. And if that's un-American and anti-this and whatever, man... Blow me. I don't know what to tell these people, bro. I really don't. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know. I'm just so sick of every I'm sick of all of it, bro. It's like this is a if you like if you believe in liberties, I respect that. I think that there are liberties that, you know, are inalienable. But people are being we talk. We do this every month, bro. In some capacity, a school, a movie theater, a park, a music festival, a grocery store. And every month we just have the same conversation. Well, you can't take people's guns, right? The best way is a good person with a gun, this, that, and the third. And then the shit just stops. We hit a dead end. Yep. People get tired of defending them to the other side. And then the conversation just stops. And then it happens again. Happens again. And then we again. do the same thing yep. again. Oh, guns are bad. People are bad. Da, 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 da. Don't take my guns away. You can't take my, my rights. Blah, 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 blah. Silence happens again. It's the same cycle over and over and over again. And nothing gets done. And it's just like exhausting, bro. And now you get this element. Admittedly, I'm biased. Those people looked like people that were related to me, man. Yeah. And this isn't the first time black people have been killed in a mass shooting. That's not what I'm saying. But like, I never. It's just it's so. It was. It's. It, this is the most innocuous one I've ever seen, bro. They were going to the grocery store. I'm not saying any of the other ones 
music festival, fucking school. It's all innocuous. But like this was so like everybody other than one person was in their 50s and 60s. This wasn't a kid that was like, oh, I got bullied at this school. It was like, I just think black people are taking over what I want in yeah. my life. And so I'm going to just go kill what any black people that I see. There's not even a, oh, I went to a hip hop concert or something. He wasn't looking for like a type of black, a, a group of young black men. He wasn't looking for a specific thing. He went and just was like, I don't know, grocery store. There's black people here, black people, shoot them. Yeah. You know, it's a and, predominantly black area. Yeah. Specifically, that 200, area. 200 yeah. miles. It's crazy. That tells me he lives in such a white area. Yeah. He had to go that far to find black people, and he still is terrified of them. He doesn't see black people in that many numbers in his day-to-day life, but online, he's fed into whatever bullshit, whoever fed him, and he believed that they were coming for everything. Black people were coming for everything he wants in life, and so I have to go f- drive 200 miles, find them, and eradicate them. Yeah. That's the kind of language that he uses. Eradicate, exterminate. Like, that's how he feels at 18. So another point, and I don't even know if I've said this. We can go on this because I don't have any recommendations, man. I don't fucking know. Watch watch. We Own the City. It's a good show. Um, One or both of us have definitely said this before, but we go, well, man, I mean, at some point, man, you know, all the old racist people, they have to die out, right? Like, racism has to die out eventually, right? And I don't know if I've been on that train. I just feel like that's something I, I feel like that's something that has come out of my mouth or come out of one of our mouths on this podcast. And then you get examples like this where you go, this kid's 18. Yeah. You get examples where you see high school kids calling kids monkeys and, you know, Mexican slurs and shit in school at 15, 14 years old. And you go, no, nah, man, it's just being passed down, bro. These kids are inheriting inheriting racism from their fa- their parents, their grandparents, whatever. And so... I just um I don't I, I if I if I was on that train of racism aging out, I'm off of it. This yeah. is an eighteen year old kid who's mad enough and angry enough and despised black people enough to go shoot ten shoot thirteen people, eleven of them black, and ten of them are dead, and most of those people were over the age of sixty years old. But he didn't look at those, you know, it's crazy. He's eighteen years old, so that means his parents are, you know, probably in their forties, fifty years old. And he didn't look at those people and see his mom or his dad or his uncle or any of that type What's of that? shit. And that's why he was able to do that. Yeah. You know? So I don't know, man. Food for thought, I guess. I don't know. And uh yeah. Got any last thing? Got anything nah. else? All right. Well, um, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder, man. Deuce. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, and we'll see you guys next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. We're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.